Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Thursday, March 26, 2020. Not going to lie to you folks, it's getting a little hard to stay on top of things. The news is so dynamic. In fact, you and I were pre-gaming the show and trying to remember if we'd actually talked about the Onward situation. Yeah, I think it I think it happened the day after we recorded last week. Ah. Yeah. Okay. So just to review here, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment made the digital HD version of that Dan Scanlon movie available for purchase on Friday, March 20th. And then with the idea that then Pixar's latest uh, would then become available for viewing on Disney Plus on April 3rd, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Look, folks, as Drew just mentioned, we recorded our last show on uh, Wednesday, March 18th. And I do want to credit Drew, though, that you told me last week as we were pre-gaming that podcast that you had heard from folks at Disney that something like this might be in the works for Onward. Yeah, I, I think they were just trying to figure it out. Yeah, but also by making this film available on that subscription streaming service then would solve a great many problems for Disney+. Plus. Do you want to explain what you, you meant by the comment, Drew? Well, or? yeah, I mean, there there isn't a lot of stuff. I think there's actually going to be more stuff in April that we are giving it credit for. But, you know, there was this this problem of there wasn't enough stuff, new stuff on Disney+, Plus after Mandalorian, mm -hmm. and people wanted new stuff since everybody's stuck inside. And also, mm -hmm. you know, the movie wasn't doing super well financially at the box office, partially because of the coronavirus. So I feel like it just kind of like cured a bunch of things at once. You know, mm -hmm. it, it really did clear up a lot of issues that the movie and the company had been having in one decisive move. And it was it was really interesting because we just woke up on Friday and it said Onward will be online later today and it'll be on Disney Plus in two weeks. And that was that was it. I mean, it was really quick. Oh, God. You have to give Disney credit that they are moving fleetly during this situation. I mean, we, we've already talked previously about the whole Frozen 2, Digital HD, and then that becoming available on Disney+. Plus. But at the same time, it's just kind of interesting that... Um, did you see that interview in in Variety with the head of the National Theater Owners Association? Yes, where he started talking a little bit like a mob boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that folks, to sort of set this up, remember, uh, Trolls World Tour is about to become available through uh, Universal Pictures Home Entertainment Division. Supposedly, the way it was explained was on the exact same day that it was released to theaters, April 10th, uh, it would then become available as a digital download. A 48-hour-long rental with a $19.99 price. Yeah, I don't. I actually don't know if it's going to be sale or rent, because I know that they've reported it as rentals, but, you know, I, we live down the street from Universal, and all the billboards just say, in theaters and on demand. So mm -hmm. I wonder if it's just going to be a sale thing. You know, Onward wasn't for rental. It was just for sale. And I think it's harder to do a rental for a kid's movie because they want to watch it a million times. Mm -hmm. So I want to put that asterisk in on the rental period idea because I think that it might be a sale thing. Okay. And forgive me, this got further complicated literally while I was putting together the show notes for today's podcast because 
just this morning, word broke that Chris Sanders' Call of the Wild, uh, which, of course, Disney released through its 20th Century Division, January? February. 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 Okay. So that becomes available tomorrow again, digital HD version. But did you see that the price point for that is $14.99? Yes, that's a very handsome price. And they're releasing Downhill at the same time, and that one's only $9.99. That's that's it exactly. I, I looked at that and it was just like nineteen ninety nine for Trolls World Tour, fourteen ninety nine for Call of the Wild, and nine ninety nine for Downhill, and it's just sort of like wow, price war. Yeah, I think Trolls, especially coming out after all this stuff, will be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you'll be able to keep it. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah. But anyway, to get back to John Fithian again, the head of the National Association of Theater Owners. Uh, so again, he's not thrilled about this whole Trolls World Tour thing. And in a March 21st interview with Variety, he was quoted as saying, distributors who've already had movies in theaters that were playing when we had the shutdown, we fully understand why they need to accelerate their home releases. They had already put those movies in cinemas, but cinemas had to shut down. So they made those faster moves to the home to try and monetize these movies and to give people something to watch at home during this crisis. Only Universal and only on Trolls did one studio skip the theatrical model and go straight to home. Universal continues to advertise to consumers, in fact, reference the, the billboards you were just yeah. talking about. Drew. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, continues to advertise to consumers that Trolls will be released simultaneously in theaters and to the home on April 10th. They are lying to consumers. Universal knows that the theaters will still be closed on April 10th, so unlike every other distributor who must simply delay their releases in that time period, but still understand that theatrical release is essential to their business model, Universal on Trolls didn't make that decision. And and again, you know, this is the mob boss quote that Drew was talking about. Exhibitors will not forget this. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to send old Joey Two-Tone down to fix you, Universal. (laughs) If you try this again, let me tell you. Boy. But at the same time, I mean, what's Universal supposed to do? Right now, nobody knows when the theater's going to reopen. Nobody knows when the schools are going to reopen. You know, and, and... Depending on what state you're in, you know, for example, I live in New Hampshire and Governor Sununu uh, just literally finished up a press conference where he was like, I don't want to do a statewide thing. You know, I would prefer if we don't have to do a statewide thing. Uh, Similarly, Governor DeSantis down in Florida. And again, you understand tourism is a huge uh, revenue source for that state. So. He fought tooth and nail in regard to closing the beaches. But now all anybody can talk about is how all the kids who went on spring break are now basically coming back super infectors and all that. And because Governor DeSantis just would not do anything, the local government stepped in. The local government in Orange County and Osceola County, uh, they announced that starting tomorrow, Friday the 27th, those areas will be closed for two weeks, solid. And I think Miami Beach did the same thing starting back on Tuesday. So if you think about it, you have a shelter at home thing that in the Orlando area, greater Orlando area, isn't up to April 9th. Uh, Miami isn't up till April 7th. Meanwhile, uh, one state down from us in Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, the governor there, extended the closure of that state's school systems through May 4th. 
I've honestly lost track of what Governor Newsom has been saying. What's going on out there, Drew? Well, yesterday he said that the stay-at-home measure would be going through April into May. So we've got another month of this. But yeah, the other big thing was that they uh, prohibited hiking yesterday, which... Hiking? Hiking, yes, because people were just flooding the trails. I mean, everybody is so bored. Everybody wants to get out, but... You know, it was just becoming like there were so many people. So yesterday they also uh, outlawed hiking, which, as you know, for California is like saying, you know, you can't take a bath or something. I mean, it's a really big deal. So, um, yeah, so we're all just trying to stay at home as much as possible. I went to the, the supermarket yesterday and got a lot of stuff. And, you know, there is so much. Speaking of trolls, there is so much troll stuff out there. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen how many promotional partnerships they have, Jim, but I have not seen a movie with this many, you know, tie-ins and so long chips and Oreos and all this stuff. So uh, well, they're they're out there. Maybe okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll project it on the wall at Ralph's or something, but you know, it's the trolls are alive. <laughs> well it, it it's so interesting you say that the weirdest part of this whole scenario is that For example, in Washington state, they just got special dispensation to reopen that state's four, count them, four drive-in theaters so that there's at least this one narrow venue for theatrical release. Now, mind you, the problem is in the entire United States right now, there are only 330 operational drive-in theaters. So when you think about there are single theater chains that have shut down 5,000 theaters. Right. So it's sort of like, okay, yeah, I guess we could try that. But um, but again, it's it's on a state by state basis. There's nothing coming, you know, from the top. And and then when you factor in that, yes, Chinese theaters are reopening. In fact, just this week, we saw them go from 400 theaters in the country to, I want to say, 570 but that was after China was basically on lockdown for two solid months. Yeah. It seems like the problem is that we started this way too late. Um, oh, God, yeah. 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 And more to the point, we, we've started it. One set is doing it this way. Another set is doing it that right, way. Right, right, you know, right. And so for me, it kind of speaks volumes that here's Warner Brothers sort of staring down the barrel all of this. They didn't just pull Scoob, you know, which which we've talked about and was supposed to open on May 15th. But they also pulled Wonder Woman 1984. They pushed that all the way back to, what, August 15th? Yeah. And they pulled In the Heights and Malignant, which is the new James Wan movie. And, yeah. The the problem is that that it's not just like everything's going to shift six months. It's... Hmm. There were already movies staked out in six months. So, you know, the whole thing is going to have to get scrapped and redone and i think soon we're going to start seeing more cancellations in june i i'm I'm not i'm not optimistic for seeing soul in a couple of months jim let's just say that no no and in fact it kind of breaks my heart for artemis fowl you know face it that can has been kicked several times and i i actually thought the latest trailer looked really good but you know just (laughs) now where's that gonna end up if there was ever a movie that was destined for disney plus (laughs) jim It might be Artemis Fowl. 
Be positive. Okay, okay. I, I want to see that in a theater. Okay. Uh, on the other hand, something else that I really do want to see in a theater, since I saw the first trailers last year, were of Lupin the Third, the first, uh, the CG version of oh, that. Oh, man. Looks so cool, doesn't it? It does. It does. And finally, just today, we got words that, what, G-Kids is secured the North American distribution rights, but I, I would imagine they're like, okay, we have the deal. When are the theaters going to open? Right. But I mean, it couldn't land with a better distributor. Um, oh, no, no, not at all. So what I, I particularly love about G-Kids, because they typically partner with Fathom, right? Yeah. And then they partner okay. with Shout, I think, for the home video stuff. Yeah. Okay. And what's cool about what G-Kids says with Fathom is that you actually have the choice of going to the theater and seeing, for example, the original Japanese version with subtitles, or it's like a night later, you can see the English dub. Yeah, so, I love that. That's so cool yeah, when they uh, do that. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. It's very much looking forward to seeing this. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting back into any theater, although... <laughs> to, to be fair, I want to point out what you said. There's going to be a, a certain segment of the audience. It's, it's going to be hard to get them back into the theater, right? Or? Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, Jim. Theaters are disgusting to begin with. At a worldwide pandemic and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever you're sitting in while you're watching, you know, <laughs> Batman versus Superman becomes a whole lot more disgusting. Let's just say that. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I have to say, having managed... Uh, theater when I was in college. You're not wrong. <laughs> you know. um, don't get me wrong. Sitting at home with your widescreen and high def and stereo set up just the way you want it. Yes, you can have a great experience watching a movie, but it's not the same as being in the theater and having that communal experience. Yeah, that, for sure. Again, some of my favorite moments out of going to the movies, the first time seeing Star Wars and that sound the audience made when the Millennium Falcon dove out of the sun or uh, seeing the original Jaws and get you know, just that scene with Roy Scheider where it's like, why don't you come down here and shovel this just as the shark comes up? You don't get that noise when there's only two of you sitting on the couch. Right. But on the other hand, if you're at home... You get to see things like Solar Opposite. So, okay. So you saw the trailer for this thing, the, the new Hulu show, right? Yes. Yes. I thought it was great. Yeah. If, and forgive me, this seems like a weird complaint because I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. Yes. It really did sort of feel like you know, Rick and Morty will come in here in five, four, three, and they didn't. <laughs> they you know, it it had the same vibe, it had the same writing, it had the same style, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Face it, if you think about all of the Seth MacFarlane animated yes. shows, you know, how they're of a same style, and it, I don't know. Again, I guess it seems like a weird criticism, but it was just sort of like, wow, okay, Rick and Morty, but not Rick and Morty. So At least we'll get more than four episodes of it, Jim, so, <laughs> you know, there's that. <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> that drops on May 8th. And again, thank you. I somehow this weekend missed the season three DuckTales trailer that dropped on Disney Channel, but Drew was kind enough to point it out. And I'm almost embarrassed about how happy that made me. It's like, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed that show. Do you know how many people tell us that we are the reason they watch the show? That makes really? me so happy. Yeah. Every, yeah. On Twitter, people come up to me and tell me. I mean, it. It's really uh, great that we've had that effect on people because it is it is one of the best animated shows in recent memory, I think. And 
This season, did you count how many shout-outs there were, Jim? Good oh, lord. Oh, jeez. Yeah, well, <laughs> get over the way. Steel Beak, Goofy, uh, you know. Uh, Treasure of the, the Lost Lamp. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, even down to the, the Scorpions from that movie. Yes. Yeah, very, very, very much looking forward to this one. Um, on the other hand, how do you feel about the Angry Birds animated series that just got announced for Netflix? I mean, I, I like the movies. I think, it, I mean, without Sony animation, I think it's going to be tough. It sounds like it's just sort of like Rovio kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Who knows, Joe, at this point? Okay. I have no idea. What do you think? Well, I just, I guess my problem is... With the SpongeBob, well, again, the SpongeBob movie that was supposedly coming out that was setting up the oh, new animated Camp series Coral. that basically was a prequel. And yeah. now, of course, this is also a prequel. It has, you know, Red Bomb and Chuck, who they're going to summer camp under the tutelage of their hero, Mighty Eagle. It's just sort of like, okay, so we're doing this now. You know, I mean, well, look, I really shouldn't complain because this is obviously a successful business model, Muppet Babies and Tiny Toons and, and the like. It's just sort of like, hmm, I don't know. You know, to be entirely honest, Drew, I'm ready. I, again, I'm a 61-year-old guy. I'm ready for the geriatric version, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, come I on. Love let's, I love it. You know, and, and in fact, have you ever seen that comic book? It's it's the guy who did all of that development work on the Magic Kingdom, blanking his name. Oh, uh, Bill Stout. Bill Stout, yes. Yes. Have <laughs> you ever seen his book about Mickey Mouse, but it's the grossly obese Mickey who's, you know, in his late 50s, early 60s, you know, who's kind of living off the spoils of his earlier career <laughs> and, you know, this very jaded, heavy set character. It's like... That's what I want. I can, <laughs> give me those characters, you know? Um, I love it. You know, I mean, look, Picard is, you know, just today, the final episode of season one of Picard dropped. America has embraced that elderly starship captain. Why yes. not? You know, I love it, Jim. I love it. You know, Daffy Duck on a, one of those electric carts. Or, you know, just, <laughs> no better, you know, the, the Wiley Coyote. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I I think I seriously need to get out more. Okay, we'll tell you what, folks. We're going to take a quick break here. I'm going to step outside for a second and probably catch a virus and then come in. And we're back. I know everyone's trapped at home. And I want to get some good news out there. Alice actually pointed this out to me. Have you heard about the Lackadaisy uh, Kickstarter? No. What is it? Okay, Lackadaisy is this great webcomic that basically is sort of a roaring 20s gangster comic but built around cats. And, you know, hugely popular with a certain set of folks on the web. But but, uh, somebody recently proposed, hey, why don't we do, uh, in fact, they describe it as a 10-minute long, fun and action-filled adventure full of car chases, shootouts, sass, and unrequested violin solos. So they, they wanted to do... An animated short. So they set up a Kickstarter, and the idea was that over 30-some-odd days, they'd try to raise uh, $85,000 to put this animated short into production. And within six hours, they raised the $85,000. And now, with 22 days left on the campaign, they've raised over $194,000. Whoa. And it's like, okay, cool. You know, we're actually going to get to see that. 
I love the fact that people are sitting at home and I want, you know, yes, I want to see that. I'm hoping <laughs> that I get to go outside of my house before you complete the cartoon. But yes, I want to see that. Here, here's my money. <laughs> um, on the other hand, if you're not willing to wait till they complete production of the Lackadaisy cartoon. Uh, Drew, have you ever seen the, the cartoons called The Marathon? No, I haven't. Okay. I'm going to suggest this, that you chase this down and likewise our listeners chase this down. This has kind of an interesting history. In 1989, during a United States USSR cultural exchange tour, Roy Disney was, was over in Russia, and he was approached by a Russian animator, Fyodor Kitarik. And he said, the students that I work with have put together uh, a tribute cartoon, because the, the, the company had just the year previous celebrated Mickey Mouse's 60th anniversary. And so the, the students at this school wanted to pay tribute to Mickey's 60th birthday, so they created this amazing short that basically is all done in silhouette, but it starts off with this baby in silhouette walking up to a mirror, and then the camera pivots, and you see sort of a double image. You now see two babies, but one mutates into Mickey Mouse. And... I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to tell you, go seek out the marathon, but also make sure you have a box of Kleenex handy. The weird thing, again, is Roy had no idea that this thing even existed. And so when they, they showed it to him at the festival, uh, Roy at Disney, you know, Walt's nephew, said, I really got a lump on my throat when I saw it. It was an absolutely beautiful tribute to Mickey. Drew and I bring up Roy E. Disney today. Largely because we just lost Stuart Gordon. And Drew, do you want to explain who, who Stuart is? Yeah, Stuart was a real kind of rascal renegade uh, filmmaker. He made uh, movies like Reanimator and From Beyond. Um, and he had such a wonderful spirit. He was always doing plays and he was a he was a contemporary of David Mamet's, actually. And uh, you know, nobody really made movies like his movies. They were just so earnest and so fun. And even if they were scary or extreme, you know, they really entertained. And uh, he was also just one of the nicest guys ever. I remember seeing uh, he made a movie called Edmund that was based on an early David Mamet. Uh, play and <laughs> I saw it in New York and mm -hmm. he was at the screening and the, there's a very shocking moment in the screening and people wanted to behead him after the screening and he was just so polite and well-meaning and he hung around in the lobby afterwards and talked to people and you know he was just such a such a great guy and I I think that cinema is worse off without him for sure but he had an a very interesting history with Disney he did. He did. It's hard to, you know, again, when you, you start off by describing him as the guy who did Reanimator, but yeah. he's also the guy who basically plowed the road for the first Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie. In fact, he and his writing partner at Kenna, I want to say, at Hannah. Right. And wasn't Brian, didn't Brian Usna contribute to that script go. too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they wrote a treatment for a film at that time that was called Teeny Weenies. And it was was literally one of the projects that when Katzenberg came through the door with Frank Wells and Michael Eisner in, in the fall of 1984, it was one of the projects that it was clearly that there was a movie here that Disney could do, but the material had to be sort of tweaked. 
So it would, would fit Disney. And poor Stewart, along with his writing partners, they talked about how when the draft of the script came back, it was covered every page with notes. And their agent, I guess, told them, it like, look, <laughs> be sure you figure out which notes are Katzenberg's because those are the ones you have to pay attention to. And they rewrote and they rewrote and they rewrote and with the idea that Stewart was always going to, when this film finally got in the shape that Katzenberg wanted, uh, he was going to direct. But in the end, it was such a stressful experience that Stewart had to drop out for health reasons. And oddly enough, because Disney at this point was sort of looking at ILM to handle the effects and Joe Johnston had been at ILM forever doing, you know, stop motion and that sort of thing. He became uh, the de facto director of this thing. And that's what launched the career of the guy who did, you know, The Rocketeer and Captain America, The First Avengers. In fact, as part of the research for today's show, I saw that he did, what, 32 days of reshoots on The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, which, again, I know you to you've told the story about going to London and being in the set and never talk about this movie again. Right. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. And he's coming back for Shrunk, amazingly. He was sort of That's retired. right. That's right. You know, yeah. in fact, sort of circle back to the beginning of today's show. Yeah. He's supposed to be doing uh, Shrunk with Josh Gad, which is the the follow follow through from the original Honey, I Shrunk, because, again, the, the original uh, Wayne Zielinski is supposedly coming back. But what kind of breaks my heart here is I remember right after Honey, I Shrunk hit in June of 1989. And I, look, I think we've talked on, on a previous fine tuning about there's a number of people who believe that uh, Honey, I Shrunk did as well as it did because it was... The first film paired with a, a really feral Roger Rabbit short, Tummy Trouble. Right. Um, it's also just a really good movie. It is a it is a really good movie. But the one-two punch there of, you know, because Who Framed Roger Rabbit had been such a hit back in 88. You know, it, it was almost a can't-miss combination. But Disney at that point announced plans. They were going to do a new Honey, I Shrunk every two years. And, oh, I remember you know, those titles they copywrote. Oh, yeah. Honey, I, mean, I Xerox well, the kid. <laughs> right? Wasn't that one of them? Yes. The, well, honey, I, I swapped brains with the dog. Well, honey, yep. I sent the kids to the moon. You know, yep. I mean, it's, and the weird part of it is that the, the one that came out in 92, finally, the, the first that supposedly launched the, the series of films, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, that was Randall Kleiser, right? Yeah. And that is a terrible movie. It is. It is. Yeah. But, but, but the weird thing is that... Uh, when Disney in 94 went to go do the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience thing for the, the theme parks, they brought Randall back. And you know, he was in the mix for quite a while there. But anyway, you and I mentioned Roy Disney a, a little while back, and particularly in regard to uh, Stuart Gordon. And again, you, you wouldn't necessarily think of Walt's nephew and the guy who did Reanimator working together. But it turns out, as, as Drew mentioned, that as a contemporary of, of David Mamet, Stewart did a lot of plays, and one of the plays he did was based on Ray Bradbury's short story, uh, The Magical Suit, I think it was called. The, wonder but, the Wonderful Ice Cream Suit. Yeah, I think that the short story was called The Magic Suit, and the film was called The Wonderful Ice Cream Suit. Where this gets interesting is that Stewart put together a play version of this thing that Roy saw in L.A. in the 70s and just fell in love with and just 
would not let go of this project. For years, he tried to get a film version of it made. You know, in fact, before even Eisner and Katzenberg came through the door, he was, he was talking it up to Disney as some, possibly something they could do through their just-launched Touchstone division back in the early 80s. But anyway, uh, finally, after years of prodding and pushing, Eisner's like, okay, fine, here's $1.45. You know, you can go make the wonderful ice cream suit. But even then, it was always envisioned not necessarily as a theatrical release, but a, I guess now they call them video premieres. Um, I don't know if that's totally true, because I remember looking at, you remember Cine Fantastique, that great magazine? Yes, he said. Um, and they had this wonderful spread about it, you know, months and months, probably maybe years before it actually came out with photos from the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that was just them kind of trying to save face after the fact. That could be, because again, it is just charming as hell. And, and more to the point, you know, if you, you look at it today, the cast, you know, Joe Montagna and Edward James Almos, and um, it's Sid Caesar, Gregory Sierra. Not to be a jerk here, but would be a wonderful addition to to Disney Plus. Oh my God, Jim, Th- this thing has been buried. I wrote about the Muppets this week. You talk about a thing that has been buried is the the magical ice cream suit. I mean, it's it's not even available on HD anywhere. It was <laughs> never on Blu-ray. It, it needs some love, Jim, and I agree. I think that they should put on Disney Plus ASAP because it would be a wonderful rediscovery for so many people. Nobody has seen this movie, Jim, except for you and me. So I, I don't know, you know, I don't know who who needs to hear it, but it needs to be on the, the service. Yeah, I just wonder if it's one of those situations where did they have limited rights? You know, did it, you know, because face it, Ray passed away. You know, a number of years ago, and you wonder if the the film rights reverted back or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's to me, it's always fascinating. It's like that. Is it the third season of the Muppets we're waiting on the, the TV show at this point, or fourth? On DVD, we're waiting on the fourth and fifth, and okay. I think that they were announced, or maybe it is the third. Yeah, they were announced. No, it is the fourth. They were announced at uh, D twenty three a number of years ago. Never came out. So. Hmm. And it's one of these things where it's like, you own those things, right? <laughs> You're the Disney company. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I don't get that. So, all right. Well, I, again, folks, I know there's a lot of depressing news out there, but Drew and I will try to keep you entertained uh, while this is going on, try to distract you. In, in fact, we're supposed to be recording our other podcast, the special project that we're hoping will really entertain everybody who's trapped in the house tomorrow. And hopefully we'll have something to share in the next week or so. Uh, and can't really tell you too much about the topic or what the show's about, but I will tell you to have your swim fins ready. Is yes. that enough of a hint, Drew? Or? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's okay, good. cool. But in the meantime, don't forget that it's not just the show that, that Drew and I do here. Drew also does... An absolutely amazing Mission Impossible-based podcast, Light the Fuse, and you were recording a few, you had a few shows in the bag before the shelter-in-place thing, right? Or? Yes, yes, and we, we've recorded even more, Jim. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you, nobody has anything to do, so they are coming <laughs> on our show. Um, yeah, we what? recently, we talked to Roger Guyette 
uh, mm-hmm. recently who had some amazing stories. You know, he is the visual effects supervisor at ILM of a little movie called Rise of Skywalker, and he did mm-hmm. Mission Impossible 3. And earlier this week, we talked to Gary Rydstrom, the amazing no. sound designer and um, very much an animator in his own right. Uh, worked at cow. Pixar for a number of years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a lot of big people coming up, Jim. So get oh, ready. That's great. Yeah, that's great. And uh, by the way, folks, like I want to point out, we still have a few days yet before Onward shows up on Disney Plus. And really, to get the most out of the movie, you should ideally watch it while holding a copy of The Art of Onward <laughs> in your lap. Kind of just yes. for reference. Yes. Yes. So wonderful author. Terrific guy who really deserves your support here. So to chase that down on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Yes. Um, let's see. On the Jim Hill Media podcast side, we've got Disney Dish with Lentesto. We've got Marvel Us Disney with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. We have uh, Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z, who has a book of his own hitting the market later this year, the Star Wars book. <laughs> yeah, that was more of a make-a-wish uh, situation, Jim, than anything else. It was not actually, I actually based on You know, talent. the weird part of this, Dan and I were just talking about, I can't believe that out of, you know, what? The original film came out in 1977, and it only just now there's a book literally called the Star Wars book. Nobody took that title before? Yeah, that's crazy. All right, uh, what else? We've got uh, Universal's Joint with Dustin Fuse, and of course the Disney merch podcast I do with Michelle Valladolid. I want that. We'll be cranking those out shortly. Uh, tell you what, folks, if, if you could do Drew and I a favor, though, if you could head over to iTunes and not only rate or recommend this show, but also light the fuse. If you really, really, really like what you hear here, if you could subscribe to Bandcamp, well, that makes it possible to, to, to purchase books like the art of onward you know again we need a research library here yes um and okay social media wise like the fuse is where drew it is everywhere it's on uh, twitter and instagram and we have a website we have a patreon everything so please cool, cool, just cool. go find it yeah okay well go check that out folks jim hill media wise we're on twitter and instagram as jim hill media and then over on facebook is jim hill media news Anyway, folks, uh, hang in there. We'll be back with a new show next week and hopefully with some good news, maybe some news about when the theaters will be opening again, or if not, find something to talk about. Okay? (laughs) So, (laughs) all right. There you go.